Hello and welcome to another edition of Gold Bazan. Today we're joined by Omida Namazi, former Team Melly assistant coach who worked alongside Carlos Keres from 2011 up until leading Iran to the qualification for the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Omida Namazi currently is an assistant coach for United States men's national under 20 football team. And also on the show, we're going to have Bob Bag Godriz, Beggar Panos from Gold Bazan, which you've heard numerous of times on our pods. And uh, looking forward to it, and I hope you guys enjoy it. <laughs> Right now we have Baba Goldries and Omid Namozi on the pod. How are you guys doing today? Good, thank you. Good to be on thank the show. Yeah. Thank you, Basha. It's uh, good to be part of it. Appreciate it, Mr. Namozi. The first question I have for you: You were Team Middle's assistant coach for three years. How was it working with Carlos Kairos and the players? And what did you learn from Carlos Kairos? Um, working with Carlos was obviously a great experience uh you know he's one of the top coaches in the world and has been to some some of the biggest clubs in the world working there as a assistant coach head coach uh, as well as some very uh well-known national teams such as portugal south africa and has had a lot of success and brings a lot of lo- um, experience to the table uh and i think i tried to uh be a be a help to him uh, over the three years and and try to learn as much as possible from him. Uh, as far as what I learned uh, from him, uh, I would say you try to pick up ev- you know something from every corner of the coaching department, so to say. Uh, but the main thing I uh, I thought I learned from him is how disciplined the team needs to be in order to be successful. And I think you see signs of it uh, with his work with the, with the Iranian national team. Right. Uh, Mr. Namazi, is about your recruitment to be selected as uh, one of his assistant uh, coaches, how did that go about? Well, I was working in Iran uh, with uh, Steel Azin, one of the clubs that since has been defunct. Uh, and I, I was under a six-month contract. At the end of the six months, uh, I think it was in the fifth month, was when Carlos Queiroz was uh, hired as the national team coach. And along with him came D- Dan Gaspar. Uh, and I had known both Gaspar and Carlos because I played for them with the uh, New York, New Jersey Metro Stars uh, in the MLS, in the uh, uh, inauguration season of the MLS. So there was a little bit of... Um, background with us and uh, I remember I actually called Dan Gaspar to talk to him about bringing on a, uh, an assistant coach that was interested in coaching the national team uh, an Iranian guy I, I can't uh, really mention the name but that's when Gaspar actually asked me what I was doing and, uh, and once I told him that I was working there with Steel Azin and my contract was coming to an end and I had every intention to return to the United States. He asked me whether I would be interested in staying on as, uh, as one of the uh, assistant coaches with Carlos Carroche and working for qualification to the 2014 World Cup. And 
we had a couple uh, meetings uh, that included again Carlos, myself, Dan Gaspar, and and uh, and Antonio Simoes. And after two meetings, I decided that I was going to stay and and uh, work with Carlos. I thought it would be a good opportunity for me to learn from one of the best and also do something for my country. And it was it was an honor to do it. You know, speaking about Carlos Kairos right now, did he have any role in the in our younger sides in the national team? Either that be under twenty three or U nineteen. Did he have any role? Yeah. No, Carlos is a, a main concentration, and he always said it is was a was a senior national team. Uh, he would try to help advise maybe some of the younger teams, but he never mm-hmm. directly did anything with them. Uh, he always said, you know, my job is to qualify the team for the World Cup, and that's what I'm going to put all my effort and concentration in. Right. One of the cornerstones of, let's say, Carlos Queiroz's reign, which included your presence, was, especially in that uh, time when you were there, was trying to recruit uh, uh, foreign-based Iranian Iranians like yourself uh, into the national team. A lot of players uh, were named. People like Ashkan Dejaga uh, represented the country. We have uh, Reza Guchani Nejad, who's also been a, been a success. And others like uh, Stephen Betashur and Nazari, uh, who was one of the first ones who came about. How did this process go about? When Carlos was hired and when I came on board, uh, basically we put a list of players that had any Iranian uh, ties, whether it was through parents or, or through birth, uh, that were playing abroad. And I remember there was a list of 24 to 25 players. And we sort of went one by one through the list and tried to figure out which players were uh, most valuable to us and, and could be an asset to the national team and could raise the level of the national team. So. We started ranking them, and then once we ranked them, we started making the calls and getting in contact with these uh, with these players. You know, players that you mentioned, such as Ashkan, such as Uchan Nejad, uh, Omid Nazari, and and also Beta Shore were part of that process. And um, I, I thought, uh, you know, even though there was a lot of opposition uh, within within the uh, football community in Iran. I thought it was one of the best things we did because, as you can see, now you have Ashkan Dejaga playing for the national team uh, and he could be there for another five, six years playing at a very high level. Uchan Nejad uh, is a goal scorer and you know he, he scored the, the, uh, the big goal that got us qualified for the 2014 World Cup. So I think had we just went out and gotten one player, uh, we would have done our job. But we were able to bring in, like I said, uh, Uchan Nejad and Dejaga and then Beta Shore, which I still think has a, has a place on that team uh, if given the chance. But, uh, you know, again, our whole aim was to uh, to raise the level of the uh, the national team with some international experience. Yeah, we have a... I think- oh, go ahead, Bobak. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's going to be one of the lasting legacies of this era, this reign of uh, Kirosh, which, again, you were part of and instrumental in. And uh, was there any specific player that you guys wanted to get, but for whatever reason couldn't get, and you regret that, maybe? Well, there was a player by the name of Atash Kade who uh, uh, plays in Sweden. Uh, I can't recall uh, the, the club name right now, but he was one that we actually brought into a camp 
uh, he sort of at the time was injured, but was able to train a little bit with the team towards the end of that camp. And we thought he would be an asset. He was, a, again, a, a speedy forward, a, a player that could stretch the other team's defense with his pace. But um, for whatever reason, he decided that the timing wasn't right, that he did not want to want to accept our call uh, for the national team and for that qualification process. So that's one that I think uh, would have probably helped. I'm not sure. I haven't followed his career uh, since. I'm not sure where he is or what he's doing. But uh, William Otashkade was was his name. You know, we have a question from Twitter from at one t self, and his question to you is, Mr. Namaziz, who was the most talented player you coached while in Iran? It's a good question. As you know, uh, there's plenty of talent in Iran. Uh, I always said, you know, uh, if you go through the villages and through the streets and through the football community you can find a lot of talent uh, that talent needs to be nurtured uh but there, there's a lot of it in iran and uh the day somebody decides to work with this town i think we can we can see our football uh grow to, to become a uh a, a international force but as far as individuals on team Melli that i worked with personally and i thought and i thought they were very talented I would say the one guy that stands out in my mind is uh, Karim Ansarifat. I think uh, this guy is a uh, natural goal scorer. Uh, he has all the elements to be a top scorer at the highest level. But um, but he needs work. He needs uh, he needs uh, an opportunity and also some coaching. But I thought uh, you know his finishing ability around the goal, his awareness, his sense of uh, being in the right place at the right time uh, was always uh, at the top. He seems a little bit like a confidence player. In one game, he looks like he could, like you said, looks like he can score at any level. He scored a goal once, I think it was against South Korea in the Asian Cup. And then in another game, he looks like he couldn't hit the target if he was six yards out. Do you think there's a, let's say, a confidence or a mental aspect to it that has prevented him from reaching his uh, potential? There could be some of that, uh, you know, I, and I think that goes with every player. Uh, when, when a player is riding high in confidence, he looks, I mean, he could close his eyes and score the goals. And, and at the same time, when the confidence is not there, he could miss some obvious chances. I think more than more than that with Karim, uh, it, was, uh, it was a matter of uh, work rate. For one, we thought uh, his work rate needed to be higher. And then his awareness, where to make the runs, uh, how to get open. Um, but his instincts were, were what really stood out. And he, he had those. Just needed to be coached and, and nurtured a little bit. Uh, but I think if he gets a good run uh, somewhere, uh, as you saw in, you know, in Paris Police when he played there and with Saipa when he played, when he was the guy, the guy they were looking for and he had a good run of you know, many games back to back to back. He always showed that he can score and he could be one of the top scorers uh, in, in the country. I believe with Paris Police, he was the top scorer in the league. Uh, maybe it was with Saipa, I can't recall. But I remember one year he was a top scorer. And I think he can do that every year. Uh, he just needs to get a good run, get some confidence, like you said, 
but he's got he's got all the elements. He's got the tools. He's got good size, good speed, good technical ability, and a, and a great finishing touch. You know, my next question, Mr. Namazi, is you know there's always problems lying around in our football and one of our regular panelists definitely wanted me to ask you this Monasad Jodi and his question to you was where do you think the biggest problem lies in our football? Oh boy uh, <laughs> I mean there's so many problems and you can't just pinpoint one right uh, but if I was to say why we can't make it to the next level as, a, as an international team uh, I would say is the work that's being put, uh, you know, in place for for the younger players. Uh, you look at all the uh, Premier League teams. I think there's one or two. Maybe I can name Sepahan and and Fulad, and to a certain extent Zoban, who really concentrate on their academies and nurturing the younger players. Uh, but outside of that, you don't see a lot of work, uh, academic work, or a lot of. Um, educated work with uh, with these younger players to really hone their skills and, and, and really nurture what God's given them, and that's the natural talent. So I think that's uh, that's where we fail. A lot of money is being spent in the Premier League to buy players, transfer players, pay the coaches, uh, yet very little is being spent on, on, the, uh, on the at the youth level, and I think that's where we fail. Did, did you guys at uh, Team Melly staff encourage these younger players to make a move abroad like people like Sardor Osmun, Agirazo uh, Jahanbash, these are guys who, unlike the generation before them, uh, they moved and took that risk to move abroad and develop themselves when they were still teenagers. Did the Team Melly staff have anything to do with communication with uh, certain players? Absolutely. I mean, uh, there was always that encouragement from our side for players to make the jump abroad and, and be in a professional environment and getting that uh, proper training day in and day out. Um, the issue the issue was that for, for many reasons, players decided to stay in Iran because they had a comfortable life, they were get, getting paid good money, uh, and there were celebrities in the country. And that was going to, that would have been different Having if, if somebody had decided to go, for example, to the German second division and play there, you're an unknown commodity. You got to prove yourself. So it was always a battle, and, and that battle was taking the easy easy route and, and staying in Iran or going abroad and proving yourself and making something out of yourself. I mean, a good example is Ali Azajal Bash, who has now proven himself as as a as a commodity where. Teams in Holland, uh, such as uh, Alkmaar, now comes in and signs him um, from his previous team. So um, it's all about. I, I think at the, at the at the same time, with us encouraging the players, it's about the players' mentality themselves. If they are after improvement, if they're after getting to a higher place, they'll go and do it. Sardar Osmun did it. Uh, he, he went abroad. Ali Rezaheri, the goalkeeper, did it. Um, there are others who had the opportunity who didn't take advantage of it. Um, so, you know, again, it's the upbringing, it's the culture, and, and then it's the decision to, to make something better of themselves. You, you mentioned Ali Reza uh, Just briefly, were you surprised that he was named as the number one goalkeeper for the World Cup? Uh, I 
was um, I was a little surprised. However, um, I know working with Dan Gaspar, uh, I think I remember he was always very high on Ali Reza, and I think it was a matter of time where Ali Reza would become uh, the the starting goalkeeper just because of his size, his athletic ability. Um, if he was able to, you know, minimize his mistakes within within the frame. Uh, he was always going to be one that was going to be looked at as a starter. And with Ramati not being there, I think that opened the door for him to be the starter. And I was a little surprised because Ramon Ahmadi had been the starter in qualifications and had done well. But at the same time, I think Ali Reza uh, had showed signs that he could be he could be a top keeper. And he, he, I, I felt he did a very good job in the World Cup. You know, speaking of which about the World Cup, um, how, what, what were your thoughts on how we did in the World Cup? Were you surprised, unsurprised, especially the match against Argentina that we basically could have won that match? But um, what are your thoughts on it? I, I think overall, if you look at the, the whole picture and the, our performance in the World Cup, uh, you can't say that it was a very successful campaign. However, um, I have always said it. When, when you have certain tools in your hands, you can do certain things. When you don't have it, you can't. Um, what Carlos Quiroz was handed, uh, I, I think he did the best job he could under the circumstances, circumstances and, and with the tools he had. I mean, taking Argentina to the 92nd minute and not giving up a goal and having actually chances to, to win that game, was a phenomenal job done by Carlos Quiroz and, and his vi uh, vision and tactics. Um, but then, when you think about the whole thing, um, you get one point out of three games and you finish last in your group. So you can't say it was a very successful results-wise. Um, but when you look at the performances, they had some good performances. I thought... Against Argentina, they were very good. Against Nigeria, they were good, but they could have actually won that game. Uh, and then they had the letdown with the last game when they needed to really come out and try to go for a win. So uh, that's my view on the whole thing. I think Carlos did the best he could with the players he had. Uh, and that's the story of our football. Um, we're not there yet. We're not a team that can expect to come out of its group, no matter what the group is. Uh, we got to keep working, and it takes a lot of years to become that consistent force and, and proving yourself that you can get out of your group whenever you get to the World Cup. You, you mentioned Carlos Quiroz's vision and tactics. That's a good point, and I just want to take you back a little bit be, uh, before the World Cup when there was doubts over whether we would qualify. We came at a crossroads where we had games against Lebanon, uh, Qatar, and Korea in a very short period of time. And before that, we had tried to take the game to our opponents, so to speak, and we had mixed results. But this seemed to be a tactical shift at that point, and Kirosh decided to put the team a little bit more defensive-minded and play on the counter. I don't mm -hmm. know if that's that there was something more, uh, let's say, concrete to that, or that's how it seemed to us watching on. And the, since then, the team has been far more defensive and playing on the counter-attack. Was this a conscious decision? I think so. I think uh, you know the whole the whole idea behind the way the team the way the team is playing right now is uh, basically to try to take away the, 
the other team's strengths and play to our strengths, which is uh, if we can defend in numbers, we're going to be a lot more successful. If we defend, uh, you know, on an island, so to say, meaning, you know, you spread yourself thin and, and uh, you try to only defend with your back four, I think uh, you're going to run into trouble because history tells you that, you know, in Iran, we don't have the best back line or we don't have the best one-on-one defenders we lack some pace at the at the back line so how do you how do you compromise for that so you you come and you try to defend in numbers uh, as as they did against argentina a player like messi had very few opportunities to be able to penetrate and that's from that tactic where you bring back and you play with numbers behind the ball and you try to take away the spaces in your defensive third so um I think Carlos's vision is whenever we play against an inferior team, and you can tell who's who is it who an inferior team is. When you play Lebanon, they're an inferior team to us. So we need to go on the attack. We need to press high. We need to keep possession. All the things that that, that an attacking team does, and you know, obviously, you're going to come out with the results. But then when you play against a Korea that's probably superior to us. Then you got to think a little bit more defensively, and that's what Carlos is doing. He's uh, getting his team to believe that this style of play, uh, where you sit behind the ball, you take away the space, and then you pick and choose your times to go forward and to get get on the counter. Um, he tries to get his players to believe that, and I think they had a strong belief going into the World Cup that that style and that philosophy is going to help them win games. Why do you think we find it so difficult to break down opponents? It's been, I would say, over the last decade, more or less, since the peak of the 2002 team passed and going on towards 2006. Since then, almost 10 years, we're finding it very difficult to break down teams. Is it a lack of technical players? Is it, uh, is it something deeper? Uh, because we were even now after when we had the Asian Cup, we had we were we looked more successful on a defense even against the UAE and Qatar and Bahrain. We looked like we were happy to hand over possession to the opponents. Uh, what do you think this is about? Yeah, I was surprised with that in the Asian Cup how defensively minded the team was. Um, my own view on it is that. You know, again, against teams like UAE, although UAE is a very good team now and you got to be careful with them, but teams like Bahrain, teams like Iraq even, we need to impose ourselves on the opposition. And I was surprised to see us play so defensively and give up that possession battle. But, you know, you have a head coach in place. He has a certain view on, on the game and uh, he makes the decisions. But I think the reason you see that, uh, that we have a hard time, I really believe it comes down to our players and the quality of players that we develop. I mean, you look at the league uh, in Iran, and and the quality of play in that league is very poor uh, from top to bottom. And, you know, when you have players playing in that league and being developed in that league, it's a slow-paced game. It's a game that has a lot of stop and go with faking injuries and so forth. And it's just not a good environment for players to get ready for international competition um, that's why there was always that encouragement for players to go abroad and, and try to uh, get contracts overseas especially in Europe where the game is a little bit faster the training environment is is a lot more competitive day in and day out 
and it prepares the players for for that international competition. We have another question from Twitter from at N1MB, and his basically question was, is that how can someone make it to the team medley from a foreign country, given if how could they basically get a trial? Um, I mean, it's a it's an open question. Mm -hmm. Is this player playing somewhere? Yeah, in, just in a I, somewhere? assuming so. That's just a basic question. Give assuming that it's a player and he wants basically a trial. Um, how do you guys going about trying there's, to? There's really no open trials for mm -hmm. for for the national team. The player has to be seen. The player has to be noticed uh, where he plays domestically. Let's say a player is playing in Europe. If he's playing at the top level, obviously the national team staff will, will hear from him. Will will know about him. He's if he's playing in the second tier, uh, again his performances are 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 going to be put under microscope and, and seen. And um, at the end of the day, the national team staff decides whether that's an asset uh, that could help the national team raise its level. But, you know, you can't just think you're, you're playing somewhere. Let's say uh, a kid's playing here in the U.S. He has an Iranian background and he thinks he's going to get picked up by the national team. It just doesn't work that way. We just spoke about youngsters and now I wanted to just uh, take you back about uh, a couple of the more older guard that we had, of which one is retired, Nekunam. How was it uh, working with Javad Nekunam and Andranik Temurion, who can easily go down as two of the best players we've ever produced? Uh, it was a joy working with those guys because, you know, obviously both of them had, had played abroad. Uh, they, they they knew what it what it takes to, to be successful. In uh, international competition, they had been on the national team for a long time. Some of the veterans on the team, uh, in both of them, uh, especially Javad, was a uh, was a true leader uh, on and off the field. I mean, the players looked up to him. He directed the team uh, within the confines of of, of, of the game itself. Uh, and Ando, with his with ex exuberance, his uh, tenacity, his willingness to do whatever it takes to win games, uh, they set an example for the rest of the players, which made, uh, when you have players like that on the field, it makes the coach's job a lot easier. So it was a good, it was a joy to work with them. Um, you, you left the job that you had uh, with the national team and you went on to coach uh, the U.S. women's national team and then you moved on now to work with one of the let's say, greatest American football players of all time, Tab Ramos, uh, with the under-20 men's team. So how, how has that move been, and what are your plans going forward? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, very proud of the work I put in for three years. Uh, a lot of things have been said uh, by, by a lot of different people in Iran, but I know, I know what my role was. I know... Um, what I did, and I'm proud of the work I put in. Uh, but it was time at that time after we qualified and under the circumstances, and I put that in quotation, under the circumstances, it was the best time for me to move on. And, uh, you know, being very honest, I had an offer from the U.S. Soccer Federation to, to join the uh, women's national team as an assistant coach. And I knew at the end of the day, before the World Cup or after the World Cup, I was going to come back to the United States to be with my family and, and continue my coaching career here. So when that 
when that offer or that uh, opportunity presented itself, I couldn't turn my back to it. Um, I took it. Uh, and now working with the, the U.S. under-20 men's national team, you know, having just played in a World Cup and going through that experience, it's been great. Uh, Tab is a good friend. We played against each other uh, many years back, and we always kept in touch and, you know, have, have a good relationship. So that's going really well. And we'll see. I have my uh, I have a contract through the end of the year with the federation. I think there's some talk about uh, using me as a head coach of some of the other youth teams. Uh, nothing concrete right now, but I know there's there's uh, discussion going on. So uh, I will continue to work with Tap through this year, and then hopefully, uh, you know be able to uh, lead one of the uh, other U teams myself and also be an assistant to Tab going forward. Do, do you see yourself uh, more comfortable or more at home in the, uh, coaching the youngsters and youth teams, or do you have ambitions to uh, be the head coach at a senior team, be it national or club? Uh, no, I, I definitely have ambitions to coach at the highest level with senior players. Um Good thing about uh, myself and something I'm again I'm proud of is that my body of work is is pretty vast. It, it covers a lot. It covers indoor soccer, outdoor soccer, women, uh, youth, senior. I've done it all, and um, I think I'm comfortable in every situation. But obviously, my ambitions are to coach at the highest level I can, and uh, hopefully that will, that day will come soon. Just finally, uh, before we uh, we end this interview, I wanted to see, do you see yourself playing a role, uh, let's say, contributing to Iranian football again in the future? Uh, not, in the, not in the short term. Um, I, I left uh, with a, I, I would say, with a um, not so good view of football in Iran and the way it's been played out. Uh, I think the opportunity to become, to be successful in Iran is, is not great. And I will explain what I'm saying here. You could be a top coach. Uh, you could be one of the best coaches in the world. And yet there are some circumstances in Iran that would, that would, uh, stop you from being successful. I've had uh, some offers, some opportunities to go and be a head coach at, at the club level. But I've decided to, to uh, not accept or to say no to them because, again, I don't believe that the environment helps you uh, in, in what you want to do. Uh, I, have, I have a good history in, in my coaching career. Uh, I can say... And I've been successful at every stop of my coaching career, whether, again, it's indoors, women, a senior national team, or now with the youth national team in the U.S. But that success and that history does not bode well uh, when you try to work in an environment where there are elements that stop you from being successful. And without going into details, I would say... Um, Unless the, the uh, atmosphere uh, and, and the conditions of Iranian football changes, I don't see myself uh, being able to work in that environment. Just 
does not fit. The two don't fit together. Thank you very much, Mr. Namazi. Do you have any message for Iranian football fans who are following Team Melli on Golbazan and they're hope, hopefully looking forward to us qualifying for the 2018 World Cup? No, just just that I, I wish Team Melli and its fans the best of luck in, in trying to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Uh, I can say, uh, despite whatever was said or happened, when I left the Iranian team, I think Carlos Kirosh is the uh, is the best candidate for the job, and they need to get behind him and support him and give him the tools to succeed. And I think if they do that, uh, we'll see our team in the 2018 World Cup again. I appreciate you coming on, Mr. Nawazi, and thank you, Bobak Gaudi. You did a fantastic job. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Pasha.